CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And while you are at the site, look for our New Year New Book Giveaway banner. And you could win an international bestseller on business and IT strategy. You can also check out the contest through our social media. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag innovation. Today's topic is keeping relevant in order to prosper. And our guests for today's show are Bill Oates, who's the CIO of the city of Boston, Massachusetts. Good morning, Bill. How are you? Good morning, Sanjog. How are you? Yeah, life could not be better. How is the 2013 treating you? So far, so good. We just uh, had our mayor give uh, his State of the City speech last night, and uh, things are, are great in Boston. Uh, we've withstood a lot of challenges, but uh, the city's in great shape. And from a technology perspective, we're really doing some terrific things around here. Great. Look forward to hearing those terrific things that are making changes in the organization. So uh, we also have Ray Oral, who's the CIO with CNA Financial. Good morning, Ray. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah. So how's uh, the business side of uh, your world? Is it still 20 hours or you can get away with eight? Uh, well, you know, it's somewhere between 8 and 20, but uh, it's actually that's the exciting and interesting part of it, right, is uh, we're doing some pretty cool things here. Uh, not just within insurance, but within CNA. So uh, we're starting to see some growth and trying some new and innovative things, and uh, it's a pretty exciting place to be right now. Great. And finally, we have Rajesh Sashadri, who's the Senior Vice President and CIO, Melco Crown Entertainment Limited. He's calling us from Hong Kong. Good morning, Roger. How are you? Hey, uh, good morning. Good morning and good evening to us, actually. It's around 11 o'clock oh, yes. from evening here. Good evening to you, now. yes. Right. <laughs> Yeah, things are good. Um, you know, um, relatively speaking, um, uh, here the, the economy um, uh, is very good. In this part of the world where uh, we are in the entertainment and gaming business, uh, our operations are in Macau. So Macau asset has been growing um, year over year at 40%. And uh, uh, so it's, it's been good. Overall, it's been good for both from the, uh, from the economic perspective as well as from the technology perspective. So Bill and Ray, I think we should invite Roger and his economy over. Absolutely. <laughs> Look forward to it. All right, good. So, so the topic we picked up today. So, one is that we always talk about innovation and and other cool things that we want to do. But then, at the same time, we always could have uh, uh, an eerie sense of uh, you know, like the fact that are we going to remain relevant if we try to be innovative? Because people have been keeping the lights on. They've been in a lights-on mode all along, and now we are saying, okay, now's the time to start charging ahead again like we did a decade or so ago or many times earlier. So starting with you, Bill, do you think when we are encouraging everyone to start thinking something new and do a creative destruction or anything like that, should we be validating or at all we should be worrying about keeping ourselves relevant? Do you think, you know, what you call opt uh, optimistic, but you are cautious at the same time. Is that a good mindset to have, or you, we should just go all the way? 
Well, I think uh, it may be a, a little bit uh, different for me than uh, Ray or Roger as a as a government entity, but you know when we think about uh, relevance, I mean that's that is our challenge, right? We we really at the core of our mission it's to be be relevant, uh, not just relevant to the folks who are used to dealing with government, but dealing with the fact that we have such a, a changing demographic around us. If we think of the diversity of of, of age, of language, of uh, technology aptitude that that we need to serve across our constituency. Uh, for us, you know, that is part of the challenge: is how do we advance government and transform government in a way that we can continue to be relevant, that we can build kind of those trustful connections between, you know, uh, the young demographic who, who's coming into our city or the, or the immigrants coming into our city, and leveraging uh, mobility and, and creating new channels of engagement by enabling technology and data. Uh, so for us, uh, being relevant isn't kind of keeping us in a box. It's what helps us kind of think outside the box. So, you know, I think it's that typical kind of CIO balance, right? How do you how do you balance the keeping the lights on with innovation and change? Uh, but for us in government, that need to transform, to stay relevant, and to stay efficient, and to be able to deliver the kinds of services that we need to deliver, you know, that's really at the core of our mission. So, so for us, the the relevancy part is is really kind of at a core of a lot of the things we're doing. But we're trying to think forward with relevance to see what does that mean for government in the future. Now, Ray, do you think if you were to go with the relevance aspect, do you think hunkering down traditionally, hindsight 2020, has ever given a company growth? You got a directive from one side, which is from the top, that we want to see growth. On the other side, you also cannot afford to suddenly have a big dip or any losses because you went ahead, not exactly you per se, but business and you know IT together went ahead and made, made investments, which backfired. So, so do you think a check against relevance is a good idea or do you think not always you can be checking it because then you might be losing some opportunities? Well, I, I think it's always important to be relevant. And, uh, you know, part of it is I, and I agree with what Bill has said. First of all, uh, you know, different uh, businesses need to operate in different ways, whether you're, you're B2C consumer-facing or B2B business-facing. You know, the commercial insurance business is very different than the personal uh, insurance business. We're not a GEICO, right? And so uh, those things always have to be uh, considered. The, the whole notion of, of hunkering down, you know, if you go back to 2008, I mean, that was hunkering down, right? Uh, and, and I don't know that people had a lot of choice in the matter. And, and, you know, for many companies, it was a matter of survival just to hunker down. So the circumstances are going to dictate how you operate. But there's always an opportunity to, uh, you know, raise the bar and, and, and push the envelope in, in terms of innovation. You know, and the key is going to be to think about uh, these new ideas and, and how, do you, how do you exercise these ideas in a way that uh, don't cause you to have to uh, bet the farm, so to speak, right? Because I, I do believe it's very critical to be relevant. You have to be strategic, or I'm sorry, tactical in order to live to be strategic. So there is a balance that has to be struck. And, you know, when we think about uh, business and IT, I, I don't think about the two being separate. You know, I think about IT being embedded within the business. So when we think about being uh, innovative or we think about being relevant, we do it in a business context, not a technology context. 
So, Roger, do you think you would want to go ahead and invest in in a, in an era where the product life cycles are shortening, and then let go of some of the things which have been working traditionally in the interest of being relevant in the future? How futuristic would your approach be? Would you be a bean counter or an investor in your seat, and what would you recommend the business to do in this case? Okay, you know, um, you know, uh, like uh, um, what Bill and Ray said, relevancy is, is obviously important. Uh, I call myself, uh, you know, in my company, business technology. So IT is an integral part of the business. So the relevancy is certainly important. When we are uh, creating the possibilities, we let the people come up with uh, lots of new ideas, and so we don't uh, curb that part of it, and uh, we don't curtail the enthusiasm at that point. Then we can later on ground it with the reality. So just because the economy is doing well now, uh, we don't go by that and we don't uh, overspend. We are also a fairly uh, green field uh, installation. There are things which we do differently. So um, we are also expanding to other markets. So for each market, we have taken a different strategy. Um, uh, Regarding the question you had asked about the short-term life cycle, let us take the hardware, what, what have we have been doing? Uh, we have worked out with our major uh, vendors what they call a technology refresh program. Like uh, we have worked out a deal, I continue to pay the same maintenance, annual maintenance, but every three years it will refresh my whole technology, whether it's uh, an example uh, like a SAN. Uh, we were using a technology which is two years old. Now the vendor whom we are dealing with has come up with the latest technology, and uh, they are replacing the whole SAN of 72 terabytes, um, without us spending any uh, single penny, we continue to pay the same maintenance, and they are also letting us use the old fan uh, without we paying maintenance. It's more like a breakdown maintenance, you know, if it breaks down, you know, on a time and material we pay. On software, again, we are taking a different strategy. If, um, if uh, in a different market, you know, we are, we are entering into Manila now. We are uh, mainly focused on Macau in the outskirts of Hong Kong. In Manila, there are a lot of things I'm doing it differently. I'm doing software as a service. So, um, so that it, it depends, you know, is it worthwhile investing in that market? We are exploring that market, so how long we are going to be there, et cetera, et cetera. So it, uh, depending on the market, you know, we are taking a strategy using software as a service um, at this point. Ray, coming to like what Roger mentioned is more from the IT standpoint. Now, let's look at a product or a solution that you may be offering to your customers. And over the years, while it has been uh, giving recurring and perhaps predictable revenue, but maybe do you see a typical dip in the overall uh, dollars that it actually delivers versus incrementally increasing? If at all it is decreasing, then are you better off you know, doing creative destruction that wipe it out or maybe cut over to a brand new model which will start bringing the growth curve back again? Because just status quo is not acceptable to anyone out there. Yeah, so absolutely. And if I think about it from a standpoint of, of product, I think you put the phrase, the question in a good way, uh, you know, when, and, and we have product life cycles, obviously, and we have products out in the marketplace that uh, are structured uh, around the way uh, we, we want to sell our risk. And uh, as we see, and, and we have seen, frankly, some of the products uh, start to dip from a standpoint of, uh, maintaining the growth curve that they once had. And, and, you know, we always have to think forward and we have to think about investing and what's the next change to that product. And I'm not sure that it necessarily has to be as disruptive 
as, as uh, one might think it needs to be in order to get back on the, the, the growth track, right? But it has to be something that generates uh, or generates builds to the appetite that's in the marketplace, and that's why we always have to have a read on that. But, you know, I would say we're always looking at our, our products and we're looking at our product life cycles and looking at ways that we can improve products and where we have opportunities to be disruptive and innovate a little bit. Uh, and that's usually for us, it, it translates to maybe our uh, small business uh, solutions or our, the surety business that, that we're in. Uh, we certainly take the opportunity to do that, and we're driving a lot more of that out towards the web and towards mobile where that's uh, becoming more uh, accepted in the marketplace as opposed to you know may, maybe middle market or, or uh, uh, large insurance deals that we do. Now, Bill, do you think there is a risk in us doing any change or bringing about any change in our business solutions that we offer and or uh, you know, technology that we implement, which you do not know since you don't have a crystal ball, how will it increase or decrease the growth of whatever you're trying to deliver? Understand totally that you are a city, a government organization, which rather be at the same level. Nobody is asking for the wow factor from you. But if you were to relate it to any place which requires it to be closer to the customer and showing some sort of a progress, would well, you not I- think we'll have to go at it? Well, I think that, uh, you know, even in the, you know, so I spent my career in the, uh, in the private sector dealing, you know, with a, a lot of the issues that Ray and Roger, as a matter of fact, I think Roger and I probably crossed paths in the casino hotel business uh, a while back. Uh, but, you know, translating that to government, you know, we really are trying to deliver products for customers, you know, and so one of the things that we're doing here, and again, the, the challenge for government is that, you know, government really has not, you know, at least, you know, the, you know, local, state, federal government in the United States has not gone through some of those kind of burning platform issues that have caused, you know, private sector companies to really transform how they do things and to really leverage technology in very aggressive ways. But, you know, given the circumstances of the last number of years, you know, government is in that mode now. Government does have, you know, fiscal challenges. Government does have uh, a, a, an increasing demand for services. You know, so the survival of those services and the, and the future of those services really depends on those kinds of investments you just talked about. So, so we really do take a good amount of our time uh, looking at, uh, at at the technology opportunities that we have from the current marketplace. Uh, you know, the the mobility challenges uh, and the mobility services, the cloud offerings that are out there, things that traditionally government wouldn't jump to. We are doing those things. We are taking some of those risks, and 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 in a lot of cases, not knowing where it's going to lead us. The good news for us uh, so far is that as we you know, tested, you know, these these new technologies and these new approaches to technology and government. You know, we've had some great success stories uh, on small scale uh, that have allowed us to then scale them, scale them not only across the city agencies, and again, when you think of city government, it's public safety, it's education, it's public works, you know, there's a wide litany of services that we're involved in. We've been able to scale those effectively uh, over the last couple of years. We've also been able to collaborate with other government jurisdictions, you know, across, uh, you know, other cities and states in Massachusetts, across other, other big cities, uh, with uh, the state of Massachusetts, the federal government. So what we're trying to do is take these risks in small ways, prove success, and scale them in ways that it can really have an impact. So it really has been, over the last five years, a very different way of looking at technology and how we can do this differently. 
Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, we'll be right back. And then when we come back, Roger, I'd like to pose this question where when things are really not going right, it looks like a sinking ship. Do you think, uh, and then you might be very close to, you might be thinking that, you know what, I'm, I might be very close to a breakthrough. What would you do? What would be your mindset and what do you expect the mindset should be for all the people who work with you? You influence the business management. How would that impact what you end up doing when it is going and when there is a downturn uh, scene? So please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So, Roger... If the things are going south or they look like they are going south, but at the same time, it looks like that there is light at the end of the tunnel. How much to what degree would you actually deal and or work with this ambiguity and how much would you be allowed to? Not exactly because you're in IT and somebody else is in business, but what does an organization do in this case? Yeah, let me uh, give you a couple of uh, uh, cases. Well, let me start with uh, my current uh, uh, industry. The uh, the way we um, operate, the way I present all my uh, technology, we call it business technology, which is an integral part of the business, uh, uh, where an IT reports to the CEO. Um, so obviously anything which we do, which is transparent with the executive uh, council and the executive committee is aware of uh, what we are doing. So typically what we do, we do a proof of concept before we embark on it. So we take the relevant scope um, and then present it to the uh, business leaders. Uh, so instead of waiting till the 11th hour and to uh, waiting for things to go south or not, the thing is uh, we know in ahead of time. So this is the situation here uh, being a green field, having the luxury of economy going well, et cetera, et cetera. In the past, there are several situations uh, wherein I, know I lived in the uh, U.S. for 20 years, and, uh, you know, there are several uh, times we went through the, the close to the recession. So obviously at that point, um, we reprioritize uh, depending on what projects uh, we were doing. If it is a core um, systems which is critical to our uh, business, um, obviously we will stop all the non-core projects and focus our energy on these core projects. So uh, we have done that with the consent of the business leaders and say, yes, we have uh, come closer to a breakthrough, and uh, this is a core system. So let us say we have been doing business for uh, $60 million worth of PMO projects. 
And if there are, let us say, $30 uh, million worth of projects are not uh, critical to our business, especially when the economy is going south or, or some other adverse circumstances, um, we will focus our energy on the core system. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, here again, here again, going back to an earlier question on, um, you know, <clears throat> regarding the short life of the uh, product, uh, will you still invest or something like that? What I am currently doing is, uh, if it is a core product, uh, we are not really worried about, um, you know, in terms of uh, the life cycle. So we develop on our own. We own the source code. Independent of the, the life cycle, we have the control of the destiny. So we have the ability to modify and, and do whatever we want. So uh, that's one thing we have taken instead of the off-the-shelf packages or software as a service. If this is the one which is getting us like 70 to 80% of our business, for example, if we are in the casino business, uh, we are developing our casino business, casino management system from the scratch. Um, so we, are, we want to control our destiny, so independent of the life cycle, independent of the economic situation, uh, we have uh, been doing our uh, things diligently, doing our proof of concepts, doing our requirements validation, uh, doing our best software engineering practices with the result we don't wait for it to um, to fail. Ray, if you were to look at the ambiguity part, to what degree would you like to play as a venture capitalist? When even if you know that initially I'll have to put in the money, it will be kind of sunk cost. You will be a couple of million dollars in, but yes, it is. You got a bunch of different projects or initiatives and you have a portfolio and some of those would be super successful thus offsetting some of the other failures yeah so it's about for me it's about risk reward and, and given the way you posed the question right as, as a as a venture capitalist i would be looking to have balance in my investment portfolio so there are things that you know i know are going to return they may not return as big as something more risky might, but I'm, I'm going to get a return there and, you know, kind of tie that back to the whole point about being relevant. Uh, I, I would want to look at the risk reward and, you know, take a good view into given the risk I'm taking, whether it's a couple million or 50 million, what's the potential for reward? And I think as, as you think about that, think about the market conditions and all the other factors you need to address, uh, that, that kind of drives how much ambiguity, you know, one could tolerate. It's a really hard question to answer, right, because everybody's got different uh, varying levels of, of uh, appetite for ambiguity. But I think, you know, in the business that we're in, especially if we're going to foster growth and innovation, there has to be some tolerance for ambiguity. So, Bill, do you think you can sleep at night knowing that two of your projects are going south, but you've got five others which are going to be uh, stellar successes? Well, I never sleep well when I think there are projects that are really going off the rails. Uh, but I, I would agree with what Ray just said. It really is about balance. Uh, and, you know, your question about uh, sometimes as things feel like they're breaking apart, you know, one of those challenges for a CIO is to have that insight, you know, to, to realize, you know, is it time to pull the plug or, or do we kind of move forward and, and get to that breakthrough? And we've had a lot of examples of that here in the city. And I do also tie it back to the rel relevance issue, right? I mean, in, in government in the past, a lot of times technology has been nothing more than a support service, right? It's, it's, it's systems, it's people to fix PCs. 
it really wasn't integrated with kind of the business strategy that government needs to execute against to really become different in the future. And, you know, when I came to the city, it was the first time that the city had a, uh, a CIO role that worked directly for the mayor and sat on the mayor's cabinet. And as we executed some of our early projects, there were times uh, where, you know, we were trying new things. We were really taking different approaches to some of the service areas, for example, constituent services. How does the city relate and support all the kinds of requests that came in from the constituency? The city of Boston had always been great at delivering 7-by-24-hour personal service, something that the mayor always wanted to have. But the underlying technology, you know, was, was fairly weak. And so the ability to make sure that all these citizen service requests were being followed through, completed, uh, gathering data allowing ourselves to, to really look at the metrics on how we're filling potholes and, and, and uh, fixing streetlights and things like that. When we were going through that, there were some times where the mayor would call me in and say, I'm really worried. You know, whatever you're doing down there, you know, is, is causing, you know, some impact to the service that the constituents are getting. And it was because we were going through some major systems changes. And I'd say, Mayor, just, you know, be patient. Give me a little more time. We're close. You know, I can give you a comfort level that we're going to make it and this project is going to be successful. Uh, you know, had I not been positioned and relevant, you know, sitting on his cabinet and, and having that, you know, trust, you know, relationship, you know, with the senior exec, with the CEO, uh, you know, there could have been, uh, opportunities for the plug to get pulled on projects like that. Now, ultimately, you know, we had a very successful implementation, created a platform that has now allowed the city to do all kinds of interesting things in engaging with the citizenry. Uh, but, you know, there were times, you know, where it could have gone the other way. So I think it does, take relevance, you know, into play. Uh, IT really needs to be part of the business. It is now in all areas of our government. IT is really essential to all these department heads delivering their services across the portfolio of services in the city uh, and our ability to balance that portfolio and be able to absorb some risk. We actually created an office we call the Mayor's Office of Urban Mechanics. It's a place where we can take some of the riskier ideas, some of the newer ideas that might come from a department head. It might come from a partner at a university in the city or an entrepreneur in the city, we now have a place we can take some of these ideas that are a little bit different and be able to absorb some of the risk associated with that because in the past that just hasn't been the nature of government. That's why government has always gone for incremental change because it was very it's very easy, you know, to do incremental change. It's much more difficult to really do transformative change. And so we have a place where those kinds of ideas can get piloted and as I mentioned earlier, if successful, we can scale them. So that's helped us a lot with this whole risk analysis. So, Roger, there could be a sandbox where you try, like I like that urban mechanics, uh, you know, uh, that, that department, if you will, that has been created with Bill's uh, organization. So that's one. That's a sandbox where you try things and whatever works out, you basically uh, take it to, you know, all, take it all the way. But then secondly is when you have validated an idea. And then you are working on the process and not just focusing on the results, because if you're focusing on the results, anything which goes south or doesn't show uh, the results exactly as per the plan, then some people will start getting anxious. Do you think that you can do maybe at your level, maybe uh, your business counterpart does, but what about the rest of the ecosystem who's involved in it? How do you keep, take? How become the? How do you become the pied piper along with the business? Bring the whole organization along so that they hold the patience as you are trying to bring that transformative idea to fruition, which is not behaving or not delivering results as you expected. 
the way um, I have created, you know, we are doing a multi-million dollar project um, right now in developing a, a casino management system. Um, you know, instead of, like I earlier said, uh, the, the uh, old paradigm of IT aligning with business or IT stakeholder and business stakeholder, I created a, a key stakeholder group. Uh, instead of calling a steering committee meeting, we call it a st- key stakeholder meeting wherein I am one of the key stakeholders. So we have uh, uh, the marketing guy sitting in there. Uh, we have the operations, the chief operating officer sitting in there. So we are five equal uh, partners in this deal. So there is no question of uh, me uh, bringing them along. It is we are in this together, and we choose the, uh, uh, the proof of concept, and we work together. We are in only additional role, which I am doing, is, is project management. So in terms of project management, we clearly define this is the methodology, this is the what, this is the how, uh, this is the scope, which we take it at every single stage, go along with it in the key stakeholder meeting. But we are in this together, so I don't have to do. All the work I have to do was the initial uh, enrollment. The initial enrollment, uh, as we say, you know, there is a school in the um, U.S. called Landmark Education. Uh, they use the word no buy-in, you know, we don't use buy-in, they use the word enrollment. The enrollment they define in such a way, uh, you present the possibility to others in such a way that they are touched, moved, and inspired by the possibility. So all the groundwork is done at the beginning, and you work along with them, and they are a part of you as a key stakeholder. So from that perspective, I never had to actually go back and, uh, and, and do this part of the um, enrollment again and again, so because we are in this together, and if it derails uh, or if it if it goes south, we are all collectively responsible to bring it on track. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, Ray, the question will be about emotional intelligence. So Roger suggested that let everybody on be on the same team, and that of course makes sure that everybody is going together. How about looking at the patient side? The, the, some people feeling uh, that maybe they will not lose their job, but as an organization, if we hold too much patience because maybe we are saying we banked on the right process and not on the results, or we go focus too much on the results and collectively we say, let's drop this. In either case, you could go uh, and, and kind of waste some dollars or some dollars will be spent, but the value will not be created. So does it come down to collective emotional intelligence as well as collective intelligence of that group? Or is there something else which is required to be injected so that business and IT is not just aligned, they are converged and they actually work on the result and and basically deliver the results as everybody expects. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Emotional intelligence. This is for you, Ray. Do you think that's what is going to help our collective intelligence bundled with emotional intelligence is going to take us through. Cause everybody, even if they're on the same page, know that we can bank on each other. We are a group either we'll get uh, promotions or we'll all get fired, which typically doesn't happen. So we are all safe. Is that the best approach or there is something else which will actually get the end result? Yeah. So I, I you know, I like the topic of emotional intelligence because I think it's something that uh, in, in years past, you know, didn't get as much attention. And I think, you know, we've realized over time it's become extremely important, especially within uh, the depth of, of the information technology uh, ranks where, you know, we have a lot of people who are, you know, purely engineers and always looking for what's broken and what needs to, to be done to fix it. So I, I think it's a very uh, critical uh, aspect of what we do. And I think, uh, you know, collective intelligence or, uh, you know, collaboration, how we influence one another, the dialogue that we have with one another is just extremely critical to getting the, the answer, uh, the right answer, right? And many times we all know there's several right answers. So you know, there's a couple of things that I ascribe to. One is this notion that we need to have a little bit of healthy paranoia uh, that drives us to worry about whether it's going to be being relevant or even being in business. You know, you think about uh, Think about a company like, uh, you know, Borders. Uh, they forgot how to be a bookstore cause, because they wanted to be a cafe. Uh, I used to go there all the time, but it wasn't to buy books. And so, you know, one has to question what it was that they were doing and thinking about that caused them to allow that, that model to perpetuate uh, at a time when, you know, it really wasn't working for them. So I, I believe that it's important for us to get the best collective thinking. You know, we here at CNA happen to be structured in an environment where we have a lot of external partners, we, we do this thing called multi-sourcing. So we work with a lot of uh, external partners to help us get to the results. And part of getting to the result, quite frankly, is how early you involve that, that critical thinking and that thought leadership in the process. Do you involve it at a point in time when you've come up with a solution on your own and, and you've agreed that, okay, now it's ready to go and partner A and partner B, here's what I want you to do? Or do you involve those partners uh, very early on, along with the right business and IT thought leadership to come up with the best options and the alternatives that one could pursue. And, and you know, I think a lot of what takes place around what I'm trying to describe involves uh, uh, emotional intelligence and, and, and the right use and, and critical thinking uh, around what we do. Now, Bill, when it comes to being a fast follower or a first mover, do you think you want to have all the jazz uh, included in your innovation where everything that's latest and greatest may be a business idea or a sacred car brought by any of the other counterparts or anything that looks like it's going to bring us incremental value? You want to jump on it or you want to take have the patience and also uh, a careful due diligence up front, and do you think if you do the latter, are you going to lose in the race? 
so I, you know, I hate to use this answer, but I think it depends. Uh, and and what I've found uh, in in the the city of Boston is that as we were developing, you know, an innovation agenda that was really supported by IT in a very different way than technology had been thought about and used uh, in the city prior. You know, we had, you know, different areas of, uh, of opportunity. Uh, in some cases, we made a determination uh, that we would, we would lead, right? We would go into a space, uh, that nobody else had been, at least no one similarly situated in a, in a government like ours. And the reason we did that is that we, we felt it was important. We felt that there was a lot of value to be created. And for us, you know, it was in that area of, of finding better ways to connect with our constituency, leveraging, you know, the power of, uh, of smartphones and, and developing uh, new ways to communicate, you know, with a demographic that maybe never called the city, you know, to, to report something, uh, but would be very willing to leverage the technology in their hand to connect with government in a different way. And the reason we decided to, to be leaders there is because we just didn't see anything else going on. We didn't see anybody to follow. Uh, so we jumped in on that uh, earlier than others did, and fortunately, it worked out to be very successful for us. There are lots of other areas uh, where we, you know, take a step back, you know, because there, e- there is either a partner who's developing solutions we're we're very comfortable with you know somebody else deploying that new technology or that new approach and if it's successful you know we'll we'll jump on board and, and be a be a follower in that area so it really depends with us and again for us one of the other things that we've done is we've really developed we don't have some of the same competitive issues that my 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 peers here in the private sector have and what we've also been able to do is develop networks of collaborators across government. And, and what we're trying to do there is instead of having everybody trying to leverage a new technology to solve a, a problem that a city public safety agency has or a city school system has, what we've been able to do is develop some of those networks and really have a commitment of, of, of sharing and collaborating. Uh, so the good news is when somebody wants to pilot with a partner, you know, they're not just looking at you know the potential deployment in the city of Boston, but maybe now they're talking about a potential deployment to the ten, ten biggest cities in the United States. So the attention that we might get, you know, is much greater. The return for a partner is much greater, and the good news is that allows us to advance. So this ability for us to be, you know, leaders in some areas, followers in others, with an infrastructure of of, of a network of innovators and IT folks that are really uh, talking to each other regularly and kind of. Uh, looking for opportunities uh, to leverage that critical mass and, and the smart people that sit in government, you know, both on IT and business, and the partners in the in the uh, in the vendor world, all of which are trying to create smarter cities and other things that that really have value to all of our constituencies. So so we're you know, it's kind of a great place to be able to kind of pick your shots on whether you want to lead or, or follow without without some of the competitive challenges that uh, that Ray and Roger deal with. So, Roger, when you look at your organization or you've seen your counterparts in other companies, what do you think could be the common denominator when it comes to competencies, culture, and or camaraderie between the different groups, which is an absolute must in order for you to work on whatever you work on, but then you stay relevant? Absolutely. You know, the uh, uh, again, let me add on to uh, the, the, the previous question. You know, uh, uh, in, uh, in our organization, I have uh, done many um, 
uh, things for the first time. And uh, we have been, a, uh, like I said, we have been a green field. We were able to uh, take the risk. And uh, we were able to take the risk and accomplish it. We have been a case study uh, by Microsoft as well as uh, Cisco. Um, we chose certain criteria, you know, like, um, you know, faster implementation cycles on certain applications, uh, total cost of ownership, uh, usability. Based on that, we chose the product. We collaborated directly with uh, companies like Microsoft. They gave us uh, some kind of an insurance called technology adoption plan. Uh, with the result, uh, we have been successful in uh, many ventures. Uh, Microsoft is one case study which is published, and then Cisco. Uh, we were the first one to do the largest converged infrastructure end-to-end on audio, video, voice data, et cetera, et cetera. Now, going back to your question, you know, um, obviously in the executive council, in the, um, in the executive committee, which I am a member of, um, we are people with uh, the diverse backgrounds, uh, with the, the different domain experience. Um, I've been in this domain for the past uh, 20, 22 years. So um, uh, we, uh, they obviously expect uh, the input relating to the technology from me. And uh, I have also operated, uh, you know, the, the gaming operations. So, so I do have, uh, in addition to technology, I have the domain background of running uh, casino operations, namely slot operations. I have run casino accounting myself. I'm a, I'm a CPA myself. So... Um, there are many things which uh, I would be able to spearhead the proof of concept myself. Um, after there are certain things which we do uh, based on uh, the requirements which we create, and then go back and we present to them the proof of concept, and then uh, collect more information, you know, uh, in terms of developing further uh, from the uh, relevant domain experience. So uh, it is it is a pretty uh, diverse group and. Um, uh, that, that, is, that is who we are, and uh, we, we are a greenfield uh, installation here. I don't know, did I answer your question? Yeah, to some degree. What I, was, what I was trying to get to is essentially what is it that an organization would need? Because you are a great leader, and so do some of your uh, you know, business counterparts who have a common agenda to take the company forward. But then you want to move forward. There are companies who will have one flash-in-the-pan innovation, and then it, the, the rest of them fizzle out. There is no consistency in, uh, in the growth curve, if you will. And that could very well be related to the organizational culture that we may have and the overall competencies. Do we have visibility into those competencies? And, and basically, how well are the different people working together? That could be sure. seen as a subjective sure. area, but I think somebody has to address them. Right, right. Now, two things. One is, uh, you know, we all have the vision, mission, and the guiding principles for the organization as a whole in terms of human resources as well as the uh, rest of the things. Also, you know, we have organizational strategy, which is, you know, we have a three-year plan, we have a five-year plan, we have a yearly plan based on what's happening in the economy, what's happening in the government, what is happening within the company, are we meeting our goals, et cetera, et cetera. So we have our financial goals. So we are all aligned towards our financial goal. Let us say, this year, we want to make an EBITDA of $3 billion, so we are all aligned towards financial goals, number one. Number two, what line of business are we in, which is bringing us maximum revenue? Let us say, in this part of the world, uh, unlike Las Vegas, Las Vegas is more like leisure, fun, and entertainment business. Uh, this part of the world, where Macau, it's more about gaming, gaming, gaming. 90% of the revenue comes from gaming, and out of that, uh, you know, 99% of that comes from table games. So... How do we optimize the table games revenue? So we are all aligned towards that uh, business goal. So one is the financial goal. The second one is the business goal. The third one is 
what are what business are we in we are in service business so what are the touch points how do we uh, you know uh, make the best use of this uh, what is the strategic differentiator uh, that ma- that makes a customer to come to our organization versus across the road so we have uh, you know in addition to vision mission and guiding principles we have our financial goal we have our uh, table optimization the gaming optimization and the service as a, uh, so obviously anything which we do they're all aligned towards uh, one this common strategy let's take a quick break listeners when we come back uh, ray uh, i'd like to ask this question that even though when we are trying to put in our best efforts there could be uh, some sort of dampers that are put unintentionally maybe in some cases where there are concerns so it's not about just political but there could be other allocations which were done earlier which might come and haunt us now because now we want to shift gears, but there has already been committed dollars in other areas. And also the mindset of all other people, how do you, how do you ch- turn this elephant around when you want to make changes swiftly and also in the very best interest of the company and keeping it relevant? When we come back, please stay tuned and we'll talk about that. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. So, Ray, your business counterparts and yourself, you, of course, are trying to do the best you can. Now, there could be areas where your best efforts could be undermined, and that could happen because of internal concerns uh, among the, the business community, the user groups, and also the resource allocation could be a problem. And that could be not that somebody wants to put a damper. It could be other pre- prior uh, you know, year results and or decisions that were made. So is this going to be like an ongoing struggle just to do the best job you can? Or is this something you can start planning so that you don't have that problem next year or yeah, the year I, after? I, I definitely think it's something that you can plan around. It's, it's something, frankly, that we have to address if we're going to be successful, not and I'm not talking about as individual leaders, uh, I'm talking about as a, as, a, as a company or as a business unit or however we're, we're choosing to operate. Uh, and, you know, the, I, I'll give you an example. And, and a few years ago, uh, when I stepped into this role, we, we really looked at the way we were uh, executing uh, within the IT space, uh, and we looked at our the strategies that, that CNA wanted to embark on, and 
things that we wanted to change. And, you know, what we realized is that, you know, as a result of in the past maybe hunkering down, we hadn't make, made all the investments that we needed to. And, you know, we really needed to look at things differently. So we embraced a different operating model that, frankly, involved a lot of outsourcing and offshoring, which is something that CNA, uh, you know, didn't have great experiences with in the past. So, you know, I very well could have perceived that I was being undermined, uh, but what it really boiled down to is just a lack of understanding, right, and, and understanding of the risks and, and, and the tolerances and, you know, what it really meant to make those changes. And so for me, you know, if my best efforts are being undermined, right, I mean, number one, is it that, you know, I'm just over my head, I'm not able to do the job, or is there something else that's going on? So I deal with it directly. Uh, and, and similar to what I think Roger described, you know, we're organized around uh, the priorities of this company, the vision, the mission, uh, you know, the, the parameters that we want to operate within. And we have a very tightly aligned uh, business group, right, that, that I'm a part of, where we talk about prioritization and we talk about what it is we're planning to do, what's more important, and we want to keep our eye on the big thing. And so if we've agreed to execute in the way we're going to, and yet something is being undermined, then there's a disconnect somewhere. So I, I deal with those things head on, and I, I'm going to bring it back to the point we talked about earlier, uh, where we get down to the emotional quotient and emotional intelligence. It's, it's just being able to deal candidly with one another, uh, because you, you treat them the way you would any other type of business problem, and try to get to the root cause of what's going on, and then solve for it. Uh, I'm, I'm probably oversimplifying it. I'm not sure if I fully answered your question, but I, I view it as a, as a fairly straightforward process. Great. So, Bill, now let's talk about people. Yes, you are greatest leaders that uh, we ever saw, and you've got business leaders as well who are trying to make a difference. What is it that you are doing with the people at the uh, you know, level where they are not reporting to you? That means you just have influence, and the ones that, you're, that, that are reporting to you, do they understand the concept of relevance? Should they understand the concept of remaining relevant, or they should just work from one project to another? Well, you, just as I get to answer that, let me just go back a little bit to what Ray said because, you know, it does connect. You know, in 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 my world here in in city of Boston, when we started down the path of essentially taking an IT organization that was kind of a, a back office, you know, support city hall organization, and then create an enterprise IT organization that really kind of corralled all the different things that the city was trying to deliver. You know, those early stages, you know, were all about kind of building credibility, uh, you know, showing that not only could you understand and, and make good IT decisions, deliver projects on budget, but there was also that kind of emotional intelligence part of it is how do do I, as a department leader uh, and, and my senior team, how do we develop those personal relationships, you know, with the folks that run the business uh, so that, you know, there's a comfort level. So no longer were we trying to uh, establish credibility, but we were now really viewed as business enablers. And in those early days, we really had challenges of being able to get the funding that we needed uh, for some of the initiatives that needed to create the enterprise foundations that we needed in the city. And so we struggled, you know, and, and again, I would, you know, I don't think it was being undermined, 
But I do think, uh, as Ray said, it was about education. It was having people understand how important these investments were. Once we got over that hump, uh, you know, we've developed those relationships, and, and, and now, you know, we don't, you know, have as much of a challenge on trying to get our share of the resources so that we can enable the business functions. Because there are no IT projects anymore. There are just business projects. And, and, and we, you know, don't need to promote the projects anymore. It's the business that's doing it. On the, on the people side, I think uh, our entire organization really needs to understand, you know, that mission and that relevance for IT within the city and then the broader picture of the city staying relevant and what we can do to kind of help make that happen. So, you know, I think in, in our work, world, uh, we are developing a culture, a culture of curiosity, a culture of innovation that's balanced with, you know, a, a commitment to deliver results. And, and I think it's that balance and it's that culture that we've been able to develop that has done a few things. You know, I'll give you, I'll give you one example. Uh, as we have kind of recreated what the Department of Innovation and Technology, which is a rebranding of an old MIS department, you know, which, again, was well thought of but had a different vision and mission, but our Department of Innovation Technology, as we now, you know, open up positions, uh, we are, uh, you know, thrilled by the fact that lots of folks that work in different agencies across the city uh, are looking to come work here because we're working on interesting things. We've developed a culture of, of kind of transformation and change. People are coming in here, uh, and, and it's, it's less about, you know, those core technical proficiencies, which, again, we always need, but the folks that are helping work with our business, uh, that are helping kind of frame, you know, what the roadmap looks like, it, it really, you know, adds to this culture of uh, a real critical mass of people who understand, you know, what the city is trying to accomplish, uh, you know, and, and each one of the operating departments are trying to uh, d- accomplish, but also the role that IT plays in enabling them all. So those people skills, you know, developing that personality of your department is, is really critical because for us, you know, it's amazing how much we can get done when we're not worrying about who's getting credit for the delivery. And, and the mayor has set a great, you know, kind of agenda for us all. Uh, and so working under that kind of model uh, really lets everybody re- be, be very, very effective. 30 seconds or rather 15 seconds each. Just share three words that come to mind, which will be very important for the leaders, whether it's business or IT leaders, in order to make their respective organizations relevant. Roger, starting with you, three words. Uh, three words. Number one is uh, uh, integrity. Uh, num- number two is uh, collaboration. And um, obviously, uh, number three, being uh, business-oriented. Ray. Boy, I can add on to his three or just take those three. So I definitely agree with, definitely agree with collaboration, integrity. I mean, if you don't have integrity, then, then you know, nothing else matters. Collaboration is really important. Uh, I, and, I, you know, people, the, the, the right people, developing the right skills in our people. It's, it's more than one word, but, you know, they're absolutely critical to our success, and we've just got to make sure we got the right people. Bill, final. Uh, again, I would I would absolutely vote for integrity uh, for people and collaboration amongst groups. But uh, the other one uh, that I would add when I'm interviewing people, it's really curiosity. We want people that are looking for ways to find new ways to solve old problems. So I want to have a department that's always kind of looking to help our business find new ways to deliver results. 
On behalf of the listeners and our show, I'd like to thank you, Bill Ray and Roger, for sharing your thoughts about how organizations can actually stay relevant and become relevant and keep relevant in order to prosper. And uh, listeners, uh, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio was brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions.